This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Everybody is here. West Durham's back from Greensboro. Chester and Fuller got their spots. Captain Ron, Robert, Otto, he's in the Christmas decoration room. And we have ourselves a full show today. Yes, we do. In fact, uh, we are moments away. Not even moments. Seconds away from Wake Forest head coach Dave Clawson. But that's only part of a busy, busy program today. Uh, Virginia Tech head coach Brent Prowl will be here in about 90 minutes. And then Mallory and Annabelle Hasselbeck will join us. Debuts. Debuts. And we'll dig right on in to life at the Hasselbeck house. And continuing the debuts, we go Lynx. Austin Greaser tied for low am at the Masters. Yeah. We'll talk to him. He plays golf at Carolina and, of course, was involved as a finalist in the U.S. Amateur last year. But let's go live. I mean, right from the jump, right? Look at there. Look, look, look. At seven flat is Dave Clawson, Packer. In, in Switzerland, right and early. <laughs> Coach, good morning. What's up? Not much. Uh, good morning, guys. Thanks again for having me on. And uh, just before we get started, Pack, on behalf of all of us at Wake Forest, we're really sorry for your family's loss. So appreciate that uh, very much. Uh, Thanks, Coach. The the spring is always an interesting time. You've got you're know, coming off a division championship. All these things. Has this felt a little different? I mean, it's back to normal football, Dave. But has it felt different because of the success in twenty one? We're, we're trying to make it so it doesn't feel different. Uh, you know, we have a, a way that we do things, and every year is a new year. And it's a new season. And, you know, there's countless teams that get preseason hype because of what they did the year before, and then they fall flat in their face. And we don't want that to be us. So, you know, we haven't won a game yet. Uh, we haven't rushed for a yard, thrown a touchdown. And our, and our approach is that, you know, every year is a new year. Every team's a new team. Uh, the 2021 team, uh, you know, accomplished some great things. The 2022 team hasn't accomplished anything yet. Uh, you know what, though? When you got everybody and their brother back, including your quarterback, <laughs> who's a flat-out baller, uh, what conversations did you have with Sam Hartman as far as, hey, all right, here we go. Here's the last ride. How are we going to get better versus all the success from a year ago? Well, what were those conversations like? It wasn't much different than the conversations a year ago that uh, the only way for you to get better and for us to get better is if you make your teammates better. Hmm. Um, I think one of the best things that Sam Hartman did last year is really took a Torian Perry under his wing. Uh, the amount of time that he spent with a Torian in the spring, in the summer, when we didn't even think A.T. Perry was a starter for us. We thought we had Donovan Green. Uh, and he invested that time in A.T., and obviously it paid off. And there's two or three other receivers that are where AT was a year ago uh, that were going into the season thinking they're backups or limited role players. And who knows, game one, game two, game three, they may have to be the starters for the rest of the year. We've got a couple of tight ends like that. We've got running backs like that. Um, and even at the quarterback position, you know, we've got to be prepared next man up. All right, so... so very similar discussions as a year ago of making your teammates better. All right. I'm glad you mentioned Donovan Green because I remember that being a tough day when you guys found out that Green would be lost for the year. 
And yet you mentioned the emergence of Perry, the emergence of Tyler Morin. I mean, there's all sorts of different little nooks and crannies to this. But now you have Green back. How's that been for you to see a guy who you were counting on in 21 to emerge back in 22, and he's got guys with him? I mean, that to me would be an exciting wrinkle to where you and Warren Ruggiero, your offensive coordinator, could go here. Yeah, I mean, Donovan uh, hasn't practiced yet, but he looks like he'll be full go in about two or three weeks. And it's really exciting. Uh, you know, you get Torian Perry on one side and Donovan Green on the other, and, you know, Keyshawn Williams and Taylor Marin work in the slot. Hmm. And Jamal Banks and Horatio Fields are two young receivers that have had really good springs for us. So we're uh, feeling very good about where we are at receiver. And, uh, you know, when you have a proven quarterback like Sam back, it even makes it more exciting. But perhaps the part that makes it even uh, more optimistic for us is we've got five starters back on the O-line. Mm-hmm. You know, you lose Zach Tom, but Javiane Nash, uh, who's similar to Donovan Green, we lost him for the whole year because of injury, is back uh, for his seventh year. And so, you know, when you have a bunch of 22, 23, and heck, we might have like a 28-year-old up there at some spot. Um, you know, we, we've we've got some older dudes up front, and these guys are developed and have really good strength levels, um, and and that makes that makes it even more exciting for us. Coach, last week we talked to Dave Dorn before their spring game, and there's a lot of optimism at NC State. The potential, there's going to be a lot of buzz in the offseason, the summertime, the magazines will come out, ESPN will come out with their, you know, FBI, FPI, whatever it is. People are going to see teams ranked in the top 10, top 15. And I got news for you. Uh, you're no longer a surprise. You're the defenders of the Atlantic looking to win another one and get back that ACC championship. Dave Doran last week talked about, hey, we know there's going to be buzz and expectations, and that's a good thing. Mm. Wake Forest has only been ranked in the AP preseason poll one time. That's going to become two times when that thing comes out in August. Uh, tempering expectations, embracing expectations. It's a kind of a new universe for you and for Wake Forest football and the fans and everybody else. So what's going to be the approach for 22? You know, Pac, we're, we're the Swiss here, you know, so we're just, we believe in neutrality. Um <laughs> We don't, we don't talk ourselves up. We don't talk ourselves down. Um, you know, even catching some of the NC State uh, spring game, um, you know, the ACC network uh, just discounted us as one of the most successful programs in the last two years. They had schools with a worse record than us um, listed as the most successful program. So uh, you guys are, are helping us build that buzz with uh, – Maybe some of the lack of research, some of the statistical people there do, and it's all good with us, man. We're just going to hang out in Switzerland and enjoy life. I tell you what, I, that right there I, is a soundbite that should r- register in every locker room in the league. I've got right to, there. I got to tell you, I, I mean, you know, he, he's been playing this Swiss thing for about two years, coach. And now you've embraced it with him. Unbelievable where this is going. Uh, Oh, stop. (laughs) Bless your heart. So, okay. I've I've lived in the South long enough to know what bless your heart really means, so be careful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Brad Lambert comes back. 
uh, he had been at Wakewood Grove. He had started the program at Charlotte. He worked at Purdue. I, I think he's a, a terrific defensive football coach. I've known him a long time, probably too long for any of us to, to recognize. In, in some sense, what he brings to your table on a side of the ball where, quite frankly, you've got playmakers back. You've got playmakers at all three levels back, quite frankly. Yeah, Brad really checked every box. Uh, you know, he's a proven Power 5 defensive coordinator. Uh, he's familiar with Wake Forest mm-hmm. and the type of school and the type of student-athletes we recruit. Um, he's a great geographic fit. He spent a lot of years in North Carolina. And I think more important than any of those things, um, he's just a really good person, yeah. you know, that – it didn't take too long to sit down with him and figure out that our value systems are, are very much aligned in, in terms of what we believe, uh, coaching philosophically, uh, you, you know, our mission, how to treat student athletes. Um, and, and it's been a great transition. So anytime you have a new system, there's going to be some growing pains. We're trying to go through as much of it now. So we don't go through those things in the fall. Uh, but, you know, Brad, James Adams, who played here, Glenn Spencer. Yeah. Uh, these are some veteran guys that uh, they know what they're doing. Um, they can make adjustments, and uh, we're excited to have them here. Coach, I, w- I want to ask you a similar question I've asked your colleagues across the league here in the last two weeks or so. Um, your spring game is Saturday, 2 o'clock. Uh, I know it'll be a great atmosphere, but folks will dial in and watch this and, and they'll know the household names. They'll remember the names from a year ago, the Nick Anderson's, the Kalen Carson, Smenda's on defense and, you know, the guys we've talked about on offense. Who was one guy on maybe either side of the ball that's caught your eye that you think, you know what, this guy may contribute and, and, and let the fan indoors a little bit on, on an emerging player for your team? Well, on offense, it's to the two young receivers uh, that I mentioned. Uh, Jamal Banks and Horatio Fields have both had really good springs for us. And uh, for us, that's good. You know, A.T. Perry and, and Donovan Green are getting older, and we see the next generation starting to emerge. Hmm. Um, and, and on defense, you know, there's some young linebackers that are really starting to take that next step. You know, Chase Jones, uh, Jalen Hudson, uh, guys like that who, when you lose Luke Masterson and Travion Red, right. and, you know, Jasir Taylor, some of those really good players that we lost in the, the second and third level of our defense, you know, we've got to start building the next generation of players there and uh, very encouraged what I've seen from all those guys. Coach, I am not a recruiting guy. In fact, I always laugh when the recruiting rankings come out because I'm like, hey, you know, it, Whatever makes you happy. I mean, whatever gets you, you know, fired up when you see a recruiting ranking because the only thing that matters is whether you're a five-star or a walk-on or anybody in between. Once you get on campus, can you be coached? Is there an interest to get better, a desire? And, you know, coaching matters. So I want to go to your recruiting a second. Uh, given the success, and I want, well, not just necessarily last year because, as you mentioned, hey, we're going bowling, we're winning a bunch of games, we're a factor. The difference that you have seen in terms of, hey, when you say Wake Forest football and you walk into a kid's house, uh, you tell us from your perspective what a difference it has made given the success that you've had at Winston-Salem. I certainly think there's there's been a jump. Um, you know, some of the players that we like and the other offers they have, we're starting to to maybe get some guys visit that we couldn't get visit in the past. And 
you know, I'm sure when it's all said and done, we'll probably end up uh, with some guys that the, the recruiting uh, experts, uh, you know, have ranked high. We've always taken the philosophy in recruiting of trusting our own eyes. Um, I read somewhere, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago that they said the most talented rosters in the ACC, and they had us listed as the least talented roster in the ACC based on recruiting rankings. Hmm. Um, and, you know, we trust our own eyes. Uh, if you look at the amount of all ACC players we have, I think we're second in the Atlantic to Clemson over the past three years. We had 15 all ACC players a year ago, 36 in the last three years. Um, and again, the recruiting experts say that we're bringing in the worst class in the ACC every year. So uh, obviously there's a disconnect somewhere. Um, we're going to just continue to trust our own eyes. If we believe in a player and think he loves football and he'll develop, um, I don't think success can really necessarily change the model of, of how we recruit because we think what we're doing is working. All right, I want to switch gears on you because we, we can't do an interview uh, with you without going uh, to something you and I both love, and that's food. Uh, yesterday we had a topic about the best coaching duo uh, in the ACC from a cookout perspective, and I nominated – you and Steve Forbes, uh, grill master and somebody with beverage in hand in the ACC. Uh, I know of your culinary skill, so that would not be an issue. So let's get up to speed from a food perspective. Uh, you got any new tips for us, new restaurants, uh, something you've tried? I mean, there's all, I know you're always dabbling in or, this department. Or are you more concerned about Forbes at the grill? Or well, both? I'm – there's a there's a little bit of jealousy on the Wake Forest campus because of this mug that I have, I so mean, I'm, ru- I'm 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 rubbing it in a little bit right now. Um, you know I'm I'm a little get concerned about you know what the 20th appearance gift is. I don't know if that involves some Woodford Reserve or Ooh. or what you have planned with that. Whoa! But, uh, uh, I tell you what, we could probably make that. You know, we've been bestowed upon. We had free bourbon sent to us yesterday. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the good folks at the Brown Water Department seem to enjoy this show. So we're always getting freebies. I think we could probably work that out with you. You don't even have to worry about I, your 20th appearance. Yeah, and at, at this pace, I'm, I'd probably get that before I'd get that slice of custard pie. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, very good point. Wow. That is an excellent wow. point. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Somebody better defend Miss Jean but here real I gotta soon. tell you now, hey. I got news for you. I'll see you Friday afternoon, and you will have something. Oh, Fork will be waiting. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I got up to New York City for the, uh, the ACC tournament, hmm. and uh, I checked out a place on Mott Street called the Peking Duck House. Ooh. And uh, it, was, it was featured on the show Billions. I don't know if you've yeah. watched that at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we took our family there, and it, it was outstanding. All right. So it was uh, – Really, really good, and we, we hit that before we, we saw Wake Forest play in the tourney. Uh, by the way, is Forbes upset, though? Seriously, he hasn't received a mug? Because have you explained the 10-mug club? Takes 10, he he takes 10 to get a yeah. mug? Have you explained that to him yet? Hey, you know, listen, just certain things in life you have to earn. <laughs> um, there are no – you know what? There's no shortcuts on the road to success, right? That's so it. I'm, That's it. I'm just enjoying my coffee this morning. <laughs> All right. Uh, Wake Forest spring game is 2 o'clock Saturday on ACC Network. Uh, See you this week, Coach. Thanks. Great to see you. Okay. Thanks so much, guys. Take care. All right. Thanks, Coach. Dave Clawson.
Apparently, we have awesome. issues in Winston-Salem. Who knew? We have problems. Friction with the ACC coaches of the year going yeah. after each other. Yeah. But you got to get ten. And a Listen, mug. You got to get 10 appearances till you get a mug. That's how it works. I can, 10 mug I club. Can, I can hear the phone ringing now in, in Brooks's the, office to it, uh, schedule Steve Forbes. I tell you, if we don't get a text from Forbes here, like in the next five minutes, I'll be very disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the Packer and Durham Podcast. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. And we got ACC baseball for you Friday night right there in the Twin Cities because you got spring football on Saturday. You can start the weekend with Clemson Wake Forest baseball. 7 o'clock, game one of a three-game set at the Couch Park right here on ACC Network and streaming live on the ESPN app. Clemson's won nine of the last ten against Wake Forest. Uh, you're in Winston-Salem. You go to uh, Krispy Kreme. Check it out. Uh, donuts are going to cost the cost of a gallon of gas, according to Krispy Kreme. Dozen donuts for a gallon of gas. Is that what it is? What's going to cost? That's what I just read that this morning. Wow. Okay. If you're in, if you're into that. Yeah, I hear you. you so could go, you could go Bojangles Biscuits if you're in the mood. Go Dewey's Baker. Could go Wilkerson's. Could yep. do it all. Right. Whatever you want. What's yeah. some good food town? That is. Yep. So there's a Roosters in Winston Salem too. There is Jim Noble. Yeah. From Winston Salem. Shout out to Jim. Uh, all right, we got a big night here. A lot of non-conference stuff, huh? But midweek, we had, we, it was across a, the platforms. We had it was a weird night of baseball, which we'll get to. But softball started it yesterday, mm-hmm. and Duke, by the way, just scored again on James Madison. <laughs> in fact, if a if a giant softball comes ricocheting in here through the French doors, do not be a bit surprised if it belongs to Duke because Look, they went yard yesterday. Look at this: thirty-four runs and a doubleheader sweep. They scored 24 in game one. What is going on in softball, by the way? exhausted. Virginia Tech had, what, 23 the other day? 23 on Florida State. What is going on? Duke hit 10 home runs in game one. It's the most home runs by a Division I team in a game this year. This is James Madison now. I mean, this is not, what do you call it, roast beef A&M. Roast beef A&M. They went to the Women's College World Series last year. Duke wearing the blue with the black numbers. Oh, my. By the way, I like the dude in that first uh, highlight that's yeah. sitting by himself in left field. He must have been peppered yesterday with about 16 home run shots. Look at this. Hurt your neck. That is your defending ACC champion, by the way. Holy cow. Get the job done. They won game Duke's two, off. 10 to 1. So they outscored James Madison 34 to 3. It's kind of like what the Giants did to the Padres last night. How'd the night before go? Doesn't matter. Okay. Defending National League West champs, my man. Uh, Clemson took a home-and-home from South Carolina yesterday. Again. I mean, other than women's basketball, has Clemson lost to South Carolina in anything? Seriously. They have just beaten them sideways this year. I'm being honest. Calling it like I say it. Oh, man. In Columbia last night, huh? Doesn't matter. Could be. (laughs) Seriously, it doesn't matter. Man, John Ripman's team posting a 3-1 win. There you go. At least South Carolina scored, right? I mean, like football season, Clemson went down there. I don't, Frank Beamer's – I mean, uh, Sean Be- Shane Beamer's team's still looking for their first point. Yeah. All right. Congratulations to Coach Ripman. Tigers just owned them. Yep. Own them. Uh, baseball last night. 
three ACC teams in action. No, actually, there were more than three. Oh, but we're showing three. Here. We're going to th- we're going to give you the good part. There, there were some there were some squirrely scores. Yeah, Georgia last night. State beat Georgia Tech last yeah, night. Yeah, Georgia Tech got beat last night. North Carolina lost to North Carolina A&T. Virginia lost to Old Dominion. But we're not going to bother you with those. We're going to give you the highlights. All right, uh, Miami, Florida, Atlantic. Gino Damari's team. Well, let me show you Notre Dame beating Michigan first, fourteen to five. The Irish are winners. Broke out five in the second and never looked back. Link Jarrett's team wins for a ninth straight time. That is a one of four ACC teams ranked in the top ten. They are old, they are experienced, and they are good. Notre Dame can play. Yeah. Wow. Pretty good look for the Irish there, huh? I like that. It's a clean look. Don't yeah. I've told you this. Told coaches the only look I all don't green. like the all green that yeah, Irish pop out there, fan. and I know you got to put the Irish in the green. I get all that, but they got good looks. Yeah. Man. They they got a clean uni. All I right. like everything about it except that all green. Let's go to Coral Gables next. Miami and Florida Atlantic. Miami trailed six two going to the seventh. Scored five runs in the final two frames, rallying to beat the Fighting Owls of Florida Atlantic seven to six. 14 in a row now, longest win streak in eight years. Well, that's the longest win streak in the country as we speak because Tennessee last night, who was 31-1, and 12-0 in the SEC, lost to like Tennessee Tech or somebody. Well, the Eagles came over from Cookville. It doesn't matter where they came from. They're going home with an L. Look at Can't that. spell Atlantic without an L, Wes. Pass ball, scores a run, then a little but Gino gets the uh, Packer and Durham bump, yep. shows up on the show on game day. Miami continues to play great baseball. Sure they are do. the number two ranked team in the country, 14th right. straight. And let's close it with the Seminoles. Florida State allowed just two hits and struck out 14 in a 5 nothing win over the Gators. You're watching the tube last night. You caught it right here. Put five in the right out of the gate in the first and said, see you later. We'll just shut you out from this point on. Back-to-back home runs, Alex Torrell, Brock Mathis, FSU's third back-to-back set this year. Look at that thing. Stand and watch. I don't know what that umpire is like going to his hands on knees to make sure that ball's gone. Probably thought it was foul. It was fair. Touch them all. Knowles, another team with a good look. I, I like Florida State baseball games. Yeah. Like a good crowd last night at Dick Houser. Packed. Yeah. Florida State fans, man, they get it, man. Gators and Knowles will bring them in for you now. Well, Florida State baseball fans show up. They, they get into it. I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, when you get the home of Buster Posey, why wouldn't you be good? <laughs> yeah, Buster Posey. I'd like to get Buster Posey on the show. You think we can get Buster Posey on the show? He's chilling out now. He's retired. Is he back in Leesburg, Georgia? I don't know where he is. Yeah. I'd like to love to get Buster Posey. Maybe he's Buster, out in Buster. the NorCal area hanging I don't out. Know, I don't know where Buster is. He's, he's deserved uh, every ounce of his time off. Man. All right. What a player. Let's check in on lacrosse, shall we? Let's please do it if it's uh, BC in particular. A little battle of Com Ave yesterday, BC and Harvard. BC wins 17 to 1. Excuse me? Not surprised. 12 different players scored. Uh, Eagles are 13-1 and one and now won 16 straight games against non-conference opponents dating back to 2020. I said it yesterday. I'll say it again. Give me number one North Carolina. Give me number two BC for an ACC championship. And I'll put my feet up and put the remote down. That will be some kind of match part two. Those two are loaded and can score. Jamie Ortega, Charlotte North. I mean, that's pure entertainment is what that is. Yeah. 
Charlotte North yesterday, innocent bystander to the event. He's just doing their thing, man. Yeah. It's, it's Harvard. Didn't want to embarrass those folks. <laughs> 17 to 1 is pretty good. I mean, she didn't want to personally embarrass yeah. them. Uh, by the way, uh, Mallory and Annabelle Hasselbeck will join us later in Making the show. Making their debuts. Yeah, 9 o'clock hour. Looking forward to that. Check in with them. Packer and Durham. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. A lot coming up here. Um, we're going to get into this top 100. And... Um, Eight o'clock hour, Brent Pry will be here. And in case you missed it with Gino Damari, good for that. I'm good for the Midnight Rider. Yeah, I no bet. doubt. Um, and also, biggest challenges for new coaches since uh, three of them play their spring games this weekend. Yep. So, uh, all right. Bill Conley of ESPN.com. This is a thankless task. We're going to agree with that. Uh, not thankless, it's impossible. Okay. So, Bill Conley yesterday at ESPN.com released a list. Of the top 100 running backs of the last 60 years, okay? Um, number one was Barry Sanders of Oklahoma State. Which is already in question for me. Okay. So, let's when, look. When you got an argument at number one, that could be an issue. Well, then that makes for Forget an argu- about who's number 84 right. and who's number 46. There you go. When you got an argument at one, and maybe right. that's what the intent is. Okay. So, know. I'm going to take you through the ACC guys on this list. Uh, I think we said yesterday leaving the show, there are nine of them. Uh, and you can kind of see six to 95. Travis Etienne, 95. Uh, Andre Williams, 90. Larry Zonka, Syracuse, 86. Yeah, and I know they didn't, uh, whatever. All right. Dalvin Cook, 71. Edgerin James, 58. Warwick Dunn, 51. Willis McGahee, 48. Floyd Little, 26, and Tony Dorsett, friend of the show, number six. All right. Start. Start? I mean, with, I mean what, to me. I mean, okay, where's uh, Ted Brown? Where's C.J. Spiller? I mean, no disrespect okay, to Willis McGahee in the top the 50. One that, the one that is the big omission for me is Ted Brown. I mean, for folks that are old enough, Ted Brown was a bad man in NC State. And he's three. clearly inside 60 years. Oh, my God, yeah. Amos Lawrence could also argue he was the first guy. He was at a time with Darren Nelson of Stanford, but he became the first guy to go four years, 1,000 yards. Like I said, th- this is an impossible task. I mean, no matter what, no matter who you put where, people are going to complain and argue. And, again, I'm sure that's the intent of right. the concept here. But there's some names that have to be on this well, list. Well, you're also talking about 60 years, and I think you've got to be careful how you gauge. If you're going to take careers here, like Dalvin Cook is 4,464 rushing yards. You take Edger and, or Willis McGahee, who is 23 ahead of Dalvin Cook at 1753 in 2002. Doesn't even make any sense. Right. Zero sense. And like Ted Brown, C.J. Spiller, really? Yeah. We're just – they don't exist? Come on, man. Get in the real world. Get in the real world with this. Now, Boston College fans, I think, are a little torn because they see Andre Williams at 90 and AJ no A.J. Dillon. Dillon. Right. Right? But no Ted Brown? Well, I mean, I, I would even argue where ETN is listed on this list. At 95? Yeah. Excuse me? 
I, I mean, is this again? I'm assuming this is based on your career. I'm just going to assume it's based on a career as opposed to a season. How could ETN beat 95? Right. Please. I mean, the whole thing's. I, I'm not going to say it's embarrassing, but this list uh, doesn't do a whole lot for me. All right. Larry, Larry Zonka, 2,934 rushing yards in three seasons. I mean, he was a wonderful, wonderful player in the National Football League. But 2,900 yards in three years at Syracuse in an era where they ran the ball yeah, I mean, is not a lot of not a lot of money. I got to be honest with you. We never thought about it. Right. I, I found that the, the order I, my as interesting as the names. Well, I, you know, I know this is an ACC show. And by the way, this is going to be an afternoon radio topic today. Just oh, give more coming up, up four to seven. Yeah, there's going to be more of this bashing coming uh. up at uh, four o'clock this afternoon on off campus. Okay. I had a problem with number one. And Barry Sanders is a bad man. I know yep. he's arguing about whether they but can But he had play. one year. had one year. Right. Come on. Mm-hmm. You can't go there. Yeah. I mean, I, I just had, an, I had a problem with the whole list. The concept is impossible, as I said earlier. Absolutely. So, I mean, so take it for whatever it's worth. But then you start doing the deep dive, and we yeah. will hear from an ACC perspective. I, I thought the list was all over the place. Tony Dorsett, 65-26 and 63 scores. I get it. I got no problem with that. I got no problem with that. Zero. But he's sixth. Well, I mean, he could, you, you could argue up. You could. But I mean, when you go through the list, yeah. I mean, when you get in the single digits, these are all bad, yeah. bad men we're talking about. All right. By the way, can we just get tearaways one time? Yeah. I'd like just to see give that. me some tearaways one time. No, this guy was spectacular. And the hip pads hanging out the top of the pants. Come on. Look at this run. <laughs> There he goes. He gone. And after an exchange of punts, Notre Dame kicks away. That actually might have been Army. And God bless Pitt going back to the old school. Oh, love every second of it. Yeah, but some of the guys on the list, I'm like, no disrespect to Willis McGahee being the top 50. That's almost laughable. I'm sorry. If you're a Miami fan and you got the pom-poms out, I don't care. Here's the thing. No way he's in the top okay. 50. And here is 60 years, so we're talking about 20 or 1962, when you start taking that particular cut, think about the evolution of the game. So what does running the ball, like 2,000 rushing yards in a season, okay? And a lot of, that's what we're talking about with Sanders. A lot of that's predicated on the Sanders season. That's why he's number one, the best season in college football-ish type thing. I, I think all of this is really interesting Work done in Willis McGahee. McGahee played two years. Work done played three. But it, two totally different careers. Well, if you're telling me that they're within gonna, five years, you got two that. running backs. You got a running back to pick from. You can either have Willis McGahee or Work done. Mm-hmm. And you got the same offensive line, same quarterback, same odd receivers, same all that stuff. Are you telling me you're going to take Willis McGahee over Work done? I mean, seriously. Well, and here's the other part. I'm just asking. No, a I'm not. I'm, I'm not taking no Willis McGahee over work done. I don't mean to bash at Willis McGahee. No, it's, this is the just the McGahee example. fan club, you're getting killed today on the show. But uh, come on. What okay. are we talking about? Let me, let me give you the one that I kind of – Edgerin James, okay, played three years, 96 to 98. He had 2960 and 35 touchdowns and also had 595 receiving yards. But he's the only player, only player in Miami history with multiple thousand-yard seasons. 
He's got to be higher than than Willis McGahey at forty eight. It would seem that way to me. I mean, just common sense. But yeah. again, it's not my list, and and it's a thankless, impossible chore. But right. some of the numbers and names uh, really surprise me. Right. Got to be honest with you. All right, let's go to some uh, tweets, shall we? Let's get on the social media. Uh, friend of the show at Mike Finn <laughs> says. Whoever made this list without NC State's Ted Brown doesn't know what they're doing, and they're not 70 better running backs than Dalvin Cook. Uh, 100% Absolutely right. correct. Totally agree. Um, Heolacious. I like that. Says Michael Vick. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Might not be wrong. Just saying. On the list. Might not be wrong. If we lined up three or four of these names in their prime, you said, hey, listen, we're going to run the football. Who do yeah. you want? Uh, there are a lot of guys that you'd take Michael Vick in front of. Okay. You would. Stuart Monty goes exactly where I wanted him to go. Stuart says, oops, almost forgot. Don McCauley, two-time ACC Player of the Year, rushed for 1,800 yards in his senior year. In an era when they ran the ball, he ran it better than anybody. He's great. Yeah. Okay. Now, here's one more, too. This is from uh, at Big Time Who won. He says, no Thomas Jones makes this list invalid. He had 2,037 yards from scrimmage in one year. That is correct. Because here's the thinking. Warwick Dunn, terrific in his three-year career. If you're going to give me Barry Sanders in one year at the top of the list, then you have to give me Thomas Jones for his one year of 2,037 yards rushing and receiving. Because, again, in an era when they ran it and people defended it, Thomas Jones was as good as it got. And I I agree, Thomas Jones is a top 100 on this list. You know, you're preaching to the choir. All right. I mean, I'm not sure I can add anything other than okay. this let me list. let me just give you a couple more. Kind of crazy. I want to I want to run down here. Okay, there there's an era change I want to I want to share with you. Um, let me go to John Catino, uh, Warwick Dunn, recruited by FSU as a DB and as a freshman, asked Coach Bowden to let him play running back for a few practices. There you go. Worked out well. I did for all parties. Yep. Um, the bro zone. Welcome. Uh, the bro zone says half of those players never played in the ACC, and the correct answer is AJ Dillon. It's true too. Yeah, AJ Dillon was a name taker for like two and a half years. Um, Ralph Kent Benfield, Wake fan, says Brian Piccolo and Larry Hopkins. They come in right under the wire of sixty years. Yeah, I you know I don't know if that's top one hundred. Even though I've got a personal rah rah for Brian Pickett, sure, absolutely, the family heritage. Um, I, you know I don't know if that's top one hundred okay. for those two. All right, last one is John Tui. John John keeps it pretty succinct. I gave him credit for nowhere near using the full bites. No Frank Gore, WTH. Frank Gore had a great career. I. In the scenarios of Miami, I was surprised to see McGahee in the top 50 given the other people in the audience at Miami. 
Yeah, like I said, I, I'm I'm done beating up on Willis McGahee because he was a really good player. I just don't think he's one of the top 50 running backs in the last 60 years. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham on a Wednesday. Appreciate the coach of the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, Dave oh, yeah. Clawson, with a Swiss reference. Yeah, how about that? Watch I got it. Some, I got something up my sleeve regarding uh, Swiss. Marketing type uh, yep. scenarios. Yeah, it'll be uh, happening in May, yeah. by the way. In May. In May. Got it. Got working on something for the Swiss in May. Okay. Um, thanks to everybody, by the way, last night, the Greensboro Sports Council, the Fred Bearcat dinner uh, at the Greensboro Coliseum Complex last night. 825 people, largest crowd they ever had. Uh, Dabo Sweeney, fantastic, as you know, just in that environment is terrific. Um, a lot of folks there from the Greensboro area and the Gate City and the triad itself. Oh, there we are, pictures. Look at that. Dabo and I had a good time talking last night. Um, ran into some of your friends. Is that plural? Yeah, a lot of people said, tell you hello. Um, some folks from the conference office were there. Want to check in on you. Uh, ran into um, Rob Rogers, who's with the Pinnacle Financial Partners, who grew up with you Rob and Rogers, your sister. Yeah. yeah. Um, Over there at Pinebrook. That's it, Pinebrook. Knew you from the Pinebrook Country Club days. Is that where the golfing career? It's where I learned how to play. Had a hole-in-one the first month I was playing golf <laughs> with Billy in a father-son <laughs> event on the 15th hole, Pinebrook Country Club. We were playing awful. I know you find that hard to believe in a father-son event. Went to the 15th hole as a nine-year-old. First set of clubs from Jesse Haddock. Yeah. Legendary Wake Forest oh, golf yeah. coach. I was left-handed. So he was a lefty, so he cut some yeah. clubs down, sent them to me. Yeah. little seven-iron. Fanned it in there. Swish. Bam. Straight in? No, bounced, hit the top of the flagpole, rolled all the way down. People were jumping around going crazy. I had no idea what it was. <laughs> nine years old. <laughs> Three years later, at the age of 12, in the second hole, the famous second one? hole. Yeah. At Pinebrook? Pinebrook. Rick you had two hole-in-ones? When I was 12, yeah. Is that it? You're done? I had one I've been incredibly close a gazillion times since, but I've had two. That's it. But two at Pinebrook Country Club. Tag coin. That's awesome. Want another story? There's a story. Okay. And again, I've not hit a bad shot in 25 years. How about that? So, uh, Rob said, tell you hello. I'm glad oh, he's doing well. Yeah, yeah. In the um, financial business, huh? Yeah. Well, Never have, hurts. Want to handle some of that Packer money? Never hurts. <laughs> uh, Dabo Sweeney, we did not, surprisingly, we did not dig in to name, image, and likeness and restructure college football. Now that we just didn't go there last night. We had great stories. He talked a lot about building culture and all the things he's done at Clemson. Uh, and on the heels of you know what is just an amazing event, the all-in ball, um, he talked a little bit about giving back to the community and how that's important that's to he and Kathleen. And, I mean, his call to service and that kind of thing. I mean, He's a special guy, man. Yeah. Um, so really good, really enjoyable. And thanks to everybody at the Greensboro Sports Council uh, for letting me be a part of it. Of course, got to see um, – Fred's widow, Florence Bearcat, was there last night. Nancy Vaughn, his daughter, who's the mayor of Greensboro. And Fred Bearcat, for those of you kind of new to the ACC network or the footprint or that kind of thing, Fred Bearcat was the associate commissioner of men's basketball for many, many years. 
uh, was the tournament manager, the men's basketball event, um, helped craft a lot of the television stuff around it, was also involved slightly with golf and things like that from the conference office. and uh, former- Also an ACC tournament ticket guru. There should almost be a, there almost should be an ACC documentary about Fred and tickets. Fred Bearcat specifically yeah. with the ACC tournament and having the ability to conduct tickets. Yeah. Yeah. He was a master, man. Yeah. They would appear out of nowhere. Those in the Fred marketing, Bearcat. those in the marketing business were always captivated by Fred's ability to find tickets. Incredible. Yeah. And like, Good ones. Oh, yeah. We're not talking like, you're in the upper deck corner of the Greensboro no, Coliseum. No, 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 no. no. Uh, Fred was a, a luminary to the ACC, but also a former basketball coach at Fairfield. Came from a background in basketball, obviously. Brought into the office by Gene Cargan and uh, retired uh, and then uh, unfortunately passed away all too young. So, uh, Rest in peace. Nice to be there to honor Fred Bearcat and his family, but also – Another successful night for the Greensboro Sports Council. Uh, and for the Learn to Swim program, which is great to benefit oh. Guilford County Public Schools. Now they come up with it. <laughs> Where were you last summer when I was drowning at the Turks and Caicos? Well, it's for second graders. Uh, it doesn't matter. The goal of the Learn to Swim program is every second grader hey, in Guilford County learn to swim. It doesn't matter if you're six years old or 60 years old. Learning to swim is important, especially at the Turks and Caicos. When there's stuff underneath you swimming and hungry. Second the big toe hits the water, you're the visiting I team. Said, I said learn to swim and I get now they now they now they're gonna teach us how to swim. <laughs> Where were you last summer? You'll be a lot different in Italy after the wellness program. Dude. You'll be a lot better in that water in the Amalfi Coast, won't you? Oh, that's I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. Month or two away now. Coming up on about two months. I can give you the minutes if you're in the mood. Uh, we're about nine weeks away. Not even that, maybe. About 90 minutes. All right. Let's get to the uh, ACC All-Academic Basketball teams that were announced yesterday. 43 players on the women's card. At least one from all 15 programs. Eight first-team All-ACC players uh, made the list on the ladies' side. Louisville, Syracuse, Virginia Tech led the way with five selections each. Uh, the requirement is a 3-0 or better GPA for their previous semester and their entire career. Notable names on this list. Uh, Elizabeth Kitley, of course, who won the K. Yao Award as the Scholar-Athlete in Women's Basketball. Uh, Louisville represented by Emily Inksler and Haley Van Lith. Uh, Alisa Kunane, Reina Perez from NC State made this list. Uh, Alyssa Usby, who won the punt passing kick this weekend at the Carolina Spring Game, is an all-ACC academic performer. Olivia Miles of Notre Dame and Asia Shepard of Virginia Tech. Chester, not surprised at all that his girl is on this list. Did not move it. Well, I, he knew. I yeah, told him yesterday. Did you? Okay, great. Uh, the men's side had 37 players, including at least one from every school. Three first-team All-ACC players made the list. Armando Baycott, Alondis Williams, and Buddy Behan, all on the All-ACC academic team. Hunter Tyson and Naheem Aline made the list for the third time in their careers. Uh, Aline just entered the transfer portal, and Tyson recently announced he's coming back to Clemson for a final season. Virginia Tech had five honorees 
on the list, including Justin Mutz, who won the Skip Prosser Award. Uh, Mutz has put his name in for NBA draft eligibility, but has left open the option to uh, come back. Mark Williams, Charlie Moore, Paul Atkinson. Uh, we mentioned Buddy Beheim, his brother Jimmy there, Keve Aluma, Virginia Tech, Jake LaRavia, and Alondis Williams, all on the academic team. Nice job by Virginia Tech. Shout out for them. Five mm. each, yeah. both the men and the women's side. Yep. Nice work. All right. Uh, a couple of other news and notes here. One more. Uh, Emil Jefferson. Uh, and this may have been a surprise to some because he's only been with player development one year on Mike Krzyzewski's staff. But Emil Jefferson, a former Duke Blue Devil, has been named as one of the assistant coaches for uh, John Shire. Uh, Jefferson had a brief pro career. I came back a year ago in player development, three-time captain, national champion at Duke. So now the bench has John Shire, Chris Carowell, Emil Jefferson. There's one more left for John Shire's first Duke staff. And, of course, Mike Schrage is a special assistant. Um, now we'll see how this goes. But uh, great statement from Emil Jefferson about being able to continue his career in John Shire, thinking a lot of uh, Emil as a player and also in his brief role on their staff. So good All promotion. I'll tell you is even with a reduced staff, they've done an incredible job recruiting. That's all I'm going to tell you. Yeah, yep. Uh, Mill Jefferson's statement, deeply honored and excited to be here and part of the team that John Shire's building. Special bond and connection to Durham, our fans, and the Duke family. Being here means the world to me. Extend my appreciation to Coach K for the opportunity to begin my coaching career last year and grateful for John for allowing me to continue it. And that is from Emil Jefferson. Uh, John Shire's quote, having a front seat for the evolution of Emil's career has been special. His passion, knowledge, and ability to relate to our guys is second to none. Played a valuable role for our team this season, particularly in the development of the front court, and this promotion allows him to make even a bigger impact in the years ahead. And uh, his experience in the NBA and three-time captain makes him an essential voice on our team. Uh, one, actually two women's notes here real quick, Pack. Sue Ludwig is uh, come back as an assistant to Felicia Leggett-Jack. She and Leggett-Jack were teammates. Helped them win their first Big East title and reach the NCAA tournament. So Sue Ludwig is going to be one of her assistant coaches. And Virginia announced yesterday, uh, there's the statement from Sue, opportunity to come back to my alma mater and join forces with Felicia, my former teammate and one of my best friends, is doing what we love and are so incredibly passionate about is a dream come true. And then the uh, other note here is that Sam Brunel has announced a transfer from Notre Dame to Virginia. She is a native Virginian, but uh, the former Notre Dame star who uh, highly decorated out of high school is, uh, is coming back to Virginia to uh, finish her career. So congratulations, Sam Brunel and Virginia. The Packer and Durham Podcast. 